The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Welcome to another installment of The Wizard Files, the special interview series where we go behind the scenes with the people who created Wizard Magazine and the comic book professionals who filled its pages. This time around, we have a true titan of the industry with a career that spans decades and has not only published over 267 issues of his own comic, Savage Dragon, and held the title of publisher of Image Comics. We got a chance to chat with Eric Larson, who I met at New York Comic Con this year. So welcome, Eric, to our show. Thank you for joining us. Very nice. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'll just let's just get that out of the way. I, I collected Savage Dragon like as soon as it came out. That and Spawn were my go-to's for many, 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 many years. Right up into adulthood. So I, I just oh, will wow. put that on the table, okay? okay. <laughs> right. So we're aware. <laughs> Basically, we we had this interview light up and we spoke to Mike and I'm like, do you want to be on? He's like, do I want to be on? I've, <laughs> I've got stuff to talk about. So I was like, all right, fantastic. Um, okay. So it's well documented uh, that you've been writing and drawing your own comics throughout your entire life. Um, how did that love of comics start for you? And where did you get the idea as a child that you could create your own content, create your own characters? Um, my my dad read comics when he was a kid. So we grew up with his uh, comic book collection and we uh, kind of wrecked them. <laughs> they were like all from the golden age. And oh, wow. He, he gave them to us way too early. And uh, my brother would wake up with a Carl Barks, Uncle Scrooge wrapped around his face because he was reading it later to sleep. And, uh, and so I guess that probably was in the DNA there somewhere where I had that kind of going on. And then... Um, I started, I, I really liked drawing for some reason. I had no idea why that was. But uh, I started drawing my own comics kind of before I started really regularly even buying comic books. Hmm. I would just get them. I had like two or three comics, like random. Here's an issue of The Incredible Hulk. Here's an issue of Iron Man. That's what I had. It was like wow. not an, and I had no idea that comics kind of came out sequentially and that there was issue one you start with. So I just did like my first comic, I think, was here's powerhouse number 64 or something like that, and dragon 58. And it was so it was super random. And then, uh, you know, later on, I got it, I figured that out. But at the time, very, very few comics were starting with issue one. Oh yeah. Uh, it just there there were just no new comics. So mm -hmm. which is why I ended up getting super into Nova when it started. Because mm -hmm. it's like finally I'm in on the ground level of some new comic book. That's cool. Yeah. And I mean most I feel like most people, you know, they 
they find their way into either a, a spinner rack in, as a kid or like in a comic shop. And it was just whatever that cover might have been at that moment. They captured their attention. They didn't know what number or even if it was like part two or three of a series. It was just like, oh, it's Captain America. I want to get yeah. that cover and read it kind of thing. And that's- I had a Hulk 156 was a real early one for me. And so that one I think of as being my first ever comic book. I don't know if it actually was. But that's the one that's kind of burrowed into my brain. And then that, um, Hulk was in Jarella's world and he had Bruce Banner's brain. And it was like, <laughs> it wasn't even like the proper Hulk, really. But that did it for me. That's was, cool. Was, that's awesome. Though. All in. But I had other ones. We had like old, my dad had all these old comics. We had like old Batman and Superman comics and, and, uh, all the ec comics oh yeah he kind of read comics as a kid and was into all the duck stuff and all the funny animal stuff and various superheroes but mostly captain marvel so captain marvel adventures Mm. and then uh he got into the ec stuff so he as he got older comics kind of went more and more towards older readers Mm -hmm. and then when they stopped publishing and the comics code came in my dad was just like all right i'm out (laughs) there's nothing for him at that point yeah i get that so away he went so uh when it comes to your career you made uh, a big big splash at marvel quickly becoming uh you know like a big fan favorite there um was your intention when you started to get into it and you know getting into the art was your intention to land a gig at one of the big two like dc or marvel or did you always want to publish your own comics um both i because i did when i was a kid i would write marvel comics group on my comics (laughs) so i didn't know that you couldn't do that <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was cool, but uh, apparently not cool. Um, and I just, I just thought, well, this is what comics look like. There's a little, little corner box with that's a circle, and there's a dude standing in it, and it says Marvel Comics Group along the top. <laughs> that's that's what they all look like when I saw them. That's, so, yeah, that's true. So yeah, I thought I'll, I want to do comics. I like to work at Marvel. I thought. I don't know if I thought maybe someday my character could be a Marvel character. I don't know if I really thought that much into it, but I knew at some point I wanted to tell stories featuring my guy. So I got, I got there eventually. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and that's 10 years, but I got <laughs> damaged. <laughs> yeah, now for the purposes of our podcast and where we focus so heavily you know your departure for marvel is very infamous the formation of image comics and it kind of coincided with the launch of wizard magazine this new price guide magazine that was coming out which is like i say our bread and butter over here <laughs> i am so curious because we just spoke with garib what are your earliest memories of meeting Garib Sheamus? And then what do you recall about creating uh, this cover being commissioned uh, to, to draw Wolverine <laughs> for wizard number three? <laughs> I have no memory of early Garib Sheamus. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> 
that's fine. I, I, I just, just, I don't know when that came up. I don't remember the process of need to, I don't know why that of all things, I wasn't affiliated with Wolverine in any way. It, it was just, yeah, it was kind of random. Maybe I had done a, I know I had done a Marvel Comics Presents story at one point that crossed over Wolverine and Spider-Man. So I about I'd have to I'd have to check my uh yeah you know cover dates on all that stuff <laughs> to see if it lined up the because it's it seems like they should be doing a Spider-Man cover. But it's, then I guess Todd was on Spider-Man at that point. Yeah, t- yeah. T- Todd had done the first issue of Wizard, which was a Spider-Man yeah. cover. Because we had, because when Adam and I first started this, we both asked ourselves, "We're like, I don't remember you ever doing a Wolverine of any sort, like as a, especially yeah. as a cover." It was kind of like a funny, you know, random yes. coincidence. It it was weird. I, I mean, like maybe it was the Marvel Comics Presents thing. I did eventually write Wolverine for a little over a year. Um, now, just and, in general, Eric, what was your opinion of Wizard when it started coming around? Because obviously they were featuring Image quite a bit within the magazine and reporting on you guys. Did it matter to you or were you just like, well, I'm just focused on my comics. Occasionally I talk to him. Yeah, more that. I mean, they say, I don't know if they, they may have sent me their magazine. I'm sure they did. Yeah, <laughs> I, may have, I may have been on some comp list or something with those guys. So I think I did. Somehow I got it. I don't know if I was buying it or whatever. I mean, we all kind of paid something of somewhat of attention to it, but it wasn't it it wasn't guiding my life or anything. I wasn't, oh yeah, oh, well, that's yeah. What, how much is my collection worth? Oh my gosh, yeah, it's four dollars more. <laughs> well it's just like the fans for us it's like we're learning about image comics because of wizard magazine in a big way you know it's like we're getting all the details we're waiting for it to come in and you guys are just like we got we got companies to run we got we comics got, to put out yeah we got a lot of a lot of crap we needed to figure out early <laughs> on we don't know what we're doing <laughs> that's true so we've never started anything from the beginning before let's start in the middle and see how that works out it's right. it's funny you say that because like you know so many writers and artists now are you know either taking to kickstarter or whatever to create their own comics and and own the rights or, or even making their own imprints you know as you know one of the founding members of image was there some like were you guys like terrified like what are we doing we're gonna leave the this like you know marvel and start our own thing how do we make sure this is a success? Like, what do we got to do to get this thing rolling? I think we thought at the time that we were kind of the top of the world. So, and that we were, we all had, we we're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody thought, well, we're never going to get jobs again if this. So I, I think there was a little bit of, uh, well, let's see if this works. Let's see if these people follow us from this other thing to this new thing. And they sure did. <laughs> they sure and, did. Yeah, and it, it, that seemed to work out all right. So. <laughs> yeah, that, I think so. I think it, think it <laughs> paid, paid off and paid dividends, to say the well, least. I, I remember because I was collecting your Spider-Man and, and then immediately jumped over to Savage Dragon when you went to Image. 
That's the way and, to do it. Yeah, yeah. And and it worked. It really worked. But was there a moment <laughs> yeah. for you where you felt like, you know, the book, th this is it. It this we we've officially hit the point where it's a success. Um, or or how big of a deal image had become. Can you remember? Yeah, I mean, well, certainly the numbers were were very strong, and we thought at the time, well, this is going to go on forever, and then it kind of didn't. Uh, the numbers didn't stay as strong as they were early on, but you know, it's worth worth doing. I think we all had a decent time doing it, so. Well, I continued at least. I don't know about this. Yeah, one. you did. I love but, it. <laughs> but I also, I also think that like you all sort of changed the industry, you know, by by taking that leap of faith and making that sort of risk. You know, it it changed the way comics it, it went it, forward. It definitely did. And it, when we set it up, the company in a way, we basically wanted to do a company that we would want to work. For. Or if we were making comics and we weren't, you know, owners of that company, like right. who would you want to work for? What would you want the deal to be? It's like, all right, let's set up a company where the company itself doesn't own anybody's trademarks, doesn't own any copyrights, doesn't even have a piece of, in, of the action in any real way. You know, if one of the guys goes and sells his, thing as a movie or cartoon we don't see a nickel from that it's hmm. that's entirely their thing and that seems like well that's a company i'd want to work for that'd be great that's cool so we did yeah <laughs> i'm actually kind of curious to know because you know as your company starts to grow you're you're bringing in other people and one of those uh you know kind of titles that you got to handle for a while was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Mm -hmm. So like you're you're in charge. Yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did that come about? Like were did you pursue that opportunity? No, or? I didn't. I didn't. That was a situation where I knew I made friends with a cartoonist named Michael Dooney early on. He uh bought when I self I self-published a comic book when I was 19 called Graphic Fantasy. It featured uh the dragon in. and the dragon was a character i created as a little kid and so i had told his adventures for like 10 years as a little kid then i self-published this fanzine and it was kind of the culmination of everything that i'd done as a little kid it was like here's his next big adventure and it follows up on everything i'd done before that nobody has seen <laughs> because it was not published uh and so i put this thing out and sent it out into the world uh sent copies to the other the, the pre-wizard magazines that existed at the time so comics journal comics buyer's guide whatever else there was we just sent them review copies of our horrible horrible comic book <laughs> and several several people bought them through the mail and one of them was uh michael dooney and michael dooney wanted to be a cartoonist himself and he wanted to do his own characters and he eventually did uh, self-publish a book called Gizmo. And then he did some issues. He, he corresponded with uh, Eastman and Laird. He was like, hey, I'm going to do my own comic. Uh, and he had sent them photocopies of it. I'd like to trade my comic with your comic. And they're like, 
okay, but we both want a copy. So they sent him two copies of the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Whoa. And then he sent one to me because he was like, what am I going to do with two copies of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one? <laughs> so that's how I got my first copy of that. But then me and and uh, Michael had sort of started this kind of friendship. And the thought was, you know, someday it would be nice to do something together, just the two of us. And then when we started up Image, um, he was over working at Mirage. I was working at Image. And I'm like, hey, we can finally do that thing. Now, why don't we do a crossover? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Savage Dragon. So we did uh, two crossovers and in Savage Dragon 2 and number 22. And then when it when Mirage decided they were going to fold up and they didn't want to publish anymore, they um they were fielding offers from various people and they contacted me and said, Well, we've got all these offers from all these different people, but we'd like you to do it. And I was like, <laughs> What? <laughs> and it, it was really like out of the blue, like what do you what are you doing but apparently they liked what i had done in in dragon with their characters so they decided i should be the guy to do it which i, I thought was a little weird but okay <laughs> <Hey>. and <laughs> so that's that's how that came about if your money's green right i'll work i'll do it i'll make it happen <laughs> right. well i mean it was a, it was just kind of a weird thing. I I knew uh, Gary Carlson because we had he was another guy I knew from years ago. We co-created a character called Vanguard together, and then uh, I knew Frank Fosco as a talented artist who'd been doing. He had done work with Gary, and he had also done some stuff over at DC and a little bit of stuff here and there. So it was like, well, let me put these two guys together and have them do do some turtle stuff. And I, I liked it. Very cool. Yeah. So, so w when I, you know, came over to you in your Comic-Con, I was just sort of standing there. You were talking to Frank Cho and he was like, what are you doing down here? Like, why aren't you with Jim Lee? Like the, the private booth thing and yada, yada, yada. And you said the most interesting thing. You kind of turned to me and looked at, each, at both of us at the same time. And you were sort of like. I don't want to be in there. I want to be right here with the artists and the people. Like I want to be right down in it. And I thought that was such an interesting perspective because everyone was sort of like, you know, almost like ad admire, admiring you for even being in, in artist alley with everybody else. And I just love that like sort of perspective that you had, where it's just like, this is where I want to be. This is, you know, where I want to be to well, the room, man. You know, to to, to 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 like support the fans and support the other creatives, and you know, I it, it's like almost like a, you know, showing your appreciation, and I sort of love that kind of way about it. And my question sort of means is sort of like yeah. I don't know, kind of go around in the circle. It's like you know, where is um, this going? I don't even know. I don't know. Listen, <laughs> well, I I he told I me this story. is all going to come together. And so, yeah, it, it, I was working my way there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but like 
the idea really is, you know, what is it like in that environment of being in that artist alley at these different conventions and sort of just being, you know, talking to the fans and talking to other creatives? Like, what is that like? Uh, what do you mean? From your point of view, you're, you're one. You're, I know, you're... I know, but I want to. I've always wondered <laughs> it from like you know the creator's point of view of like nerds like us coming like, oh my god, it's so cool to meet you. you know, I don't know. Well, the thing is, when you're in that kind of a when you're in that kind of a thing, you can really just talk about the either the craft of making comics or just get down into. Well, you did this and this issue. Where are you going with this? And where are you going? I like that kind of conversation way more than these brief two-second things you get in the other mm -hmm. room where people are just herded in like cattle and it's like, hey, it's good to meet you. Let's get my picture moving on. Yeah. No, it's it and it's crazy like that now because like people will pay, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars for a picture with Chris Evans. And you're with them for less than a second. Take their oh, photo man. and move them on. It's yes. it's so crazy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not down with that. <laughs> uh, going back to to uh, what we were talking about with the turtles and Savage Dragon crossover, um, you know, you've um, you've done crossovers in the past with other characters and stuff. Do you have a philosophy when it comes to lending out the characters you've created to other creators, or is it? <laughs> case by case yeah, mostly i want to like the book i don't <laughs> i don't want to just be like hey use my dude and your terrible terrible thing <laughs> you know i would rather be like oh i like you i like your book let's have my character be in your book and also if it's at image comics especially i kind of feel like yeah. You know what? That's the home team. So mm -hmm. if you want to use my guy and you're publishing at Image, the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's cool. pretty good. I, I got to say, like, for me, one of my favorite crossovers was uh, with Mike Allred's Madman, where you guys had the back and forth between the two titles. Like, that was really cool with, you know, with his Atomics team and all of that. But I'm, I, I'm also curious in that vein, do you have, like, is there a particular collaboration that was like maybe a bigger deal for you? Like, did you get to collaborate with an artist that you, that you were saying you like them, but like somebody that you were like, whoa, they want to work with me and we can share characters. Can you think of one that stands out? Because there's been so many crossovers over the years. I know, there has been quite a few. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they're all, they're all fun in different ways. Probably the, I mean, the biggest one, in, to a degree was just doing a crossover with DC and having the dragon meet Superman. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, I would just use Marvel and DC characters in my comics all the time because <laughs> they're not being published. They were just me screwing around. Yeah. And, uh, and with... at, one, at one point I had done a, a mock-up of a cover of dragon meet Superman as though it was going to be a treasury edition. And I had drawn it and it, I had colored it and uh, somehow it ended up at my grandma's place. So she still <laughs> had it even after my house burned down. So uh, when so when we did the, the real crossover and I got to do the real deal and then Alex Ross painted over my cover, then it was like, I've got this one that I, when I was a fan in color and then i've got this painted cover which is all in color and i've got both of them framed and it's like oh look at this 
the kid's dream and oh. reality. So, How did you, did you reach out to Alex Ross for that? To Because he, he painted all your pencils, I don't recall right? how that connection came. I, I don't, I wish I remember. I, I, we must have met each other at some point along the way. And he, and it's him painting over your pencils on that cover. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. I, he had me. He had me pencil it on a certain paper, and then uh, send it to him, and then he painted over that, and and then I I wound up with the original. I'm not sure why he was so generous with that, but I do have it. Uh, but I, cool. I don't. I don't know. I met him at some point. <laughs> I met him a couple times. At, at convention so early we just on, we, we imagine all of you we imagine all of you creators just hanging out together all the time you're all just friends right it's like in a group chat all day long yeah <laughs> not so much in the real world but uh at comic book conventions you do meet people and become friends with them super super quick oh this is like hey i know you i know your work it's cool Let's yeah, hang out. Can I get you a beer? All right. <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> I drink I, beverages as well. That is awesome. We have that in common. That's cool. Yeah. Well, the thing that you brought up earlier is you talked about your your stint writing Wolverine, and during this period specifically that we're covering all the podcasts of Wizard Magazine, this 1998-1999 run of the magazine. There's all this talk. Eric Larson is writing Aquaman. Eric Larson mm -hmm. is writing Wolverine. He pitched a whole new direction for the Incredible Hulk to Marvel, which was awesome. Yeah. I love that that idea. But like, why did you decide then at that point, five, six years after forming Image, to return to the big two and start doing some work with them in the late 90s? I don't know. It seemed like seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> I just I thought. You know, it's been long enough since I've worked with those guys that uh, maybe if I did something for them, people would follow the breadcrumbs back to Savage Dragon. And it's like, oh, maybe this will help this. That didn't work, but, you know, it was, <laughs> it, it was kind of a fun idea just to mess around in those universes again and, and enjoy myself doing it. It's kind of funny, though, like, you know, People that, you know, you know, Savage Dragon is not one of the hugest characters, but like people who follow that, like, are all in. Like, look at Mike here, all yeah. in. He has issues like what, one to 150? Like, oh, straight more than that. <laughs> that was when I was a kid, like, from when I was a kid, I went to 150, and then I had a bit of a blip where. I was living in an apartment. I couldn't collect for a while, but I have way past girl, 150 now. No, I'm sorry. Girl, you know, girls came around. Let's put it. Let's <laughs> girls. <laughs> but yeah, it's just people just love that character. And I mean, I remember this. I have a couple covers somewhere that like, you know, him in the, like the police uniform and just, just cool covers and good stories. And they're they're fun and they're interesting. I don't, I don't know. I yeah, find it it's it's. It, I think it, it's one of those books that when you've read it, read it for a long time, it kind of rewards you mm -hmm. because um, unlike the Marvel and DC comics that you grew up with, the characters age. So characters, are, things are constantly changing mm -hmm. in, the, in the book. Like, you know, just looking at those two covers behind you there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Michael. Yes. Uh, 
you know, that's that's the dragon there on the on the left, and that's his son on the it's right. Malcolm. Um, you wow. know, however many years later, twenty something years later, yeah. and you know, when the book started, Dragon didn't have any children at all, and by the by the time we got to issue two fifty, his son was had had been the lead character for a number of years by that point, and he's got <laughs> kids of his own. Yeah, became a hero in his own right. That's kind of yeah. cool. So awesome. you know, so for people who've been reading it for a while, it's like, oh, all this stuff that was set up back here, you're paying off in this big way, and wow, that's that's cool. How this makes sense to this to this. Whereas at Marvel and DC, with just the creative shuffling that goes on from one creative team to the next, you know, you can read a run on on 300 issues of any various book and it's like well, it doesn't really <laughs> make sense as a narrative there's not really a cohesive through line and all this stuff and peter parker is you know just slightly older than he was when the book started and, and then he's younger again it's it's yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, they just they just got to keep the same character handful of characters keep those balls in the air and keep that book going forever yeah Spe speaking of that though like um what are some of the projects you're working on right now anything like, in the <laughs> <laughs> that's good listen that's well, great. i'm curious about that because you, know, you talk about rewarding your fans who stick with you who've been reading it all these years or those who are catching up and want to get the whole story now, something we've been talking about on the podcast a lot, as you keep popping up in the magazine, we're trying to get the Savage Dragon fans to be more vocal because there's people like, I love X-Men and they post about X-Men every day. They're talking about it every day. And I'm like, where are you Savage Dragon fans? Why are you not bombarding us every day with, why aren't you talking to Eric? L well, actually, that's not true. They do tell us. Why are you not talking to Eric? <laughs> Larson? But where do you hear the most feedback from your fans and what type of person do you think is the readership for Savage Dragon? We, we want to find them. We want to encourage them to go rah, rah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're, they're mostly, I don't know how old they are. They're mostly younger than me. Although I met a few fans who are way older than me. Um, but they're not, they're mostly not teenagers, but I would say probably twenties and up. Okay, they're guys in their forties. They're the they're us. <laughs> yeah, thirties, forties, fifties. But is Have it mostly at conventions that you're running? I, I see them at conventions. Yeah. I see there's a lot of groups on Facebook where people are chatting away. Um, I don't know where else. <laughs> there used to be Wizard when Wizard. Does Wizards still have a site? Is, is no. There's no <laughs> we, site. It's, there yeah, used to it's, be message boards all over the place. And yeah. People would constantly be. Yeah. You have know, you thought Image about Comics like had a message board, and I think we got rid of that too. Yeah. So it, those are kind of gone. It, it changed with you know with Twitter or X, whatever you know, and and all yeah. these other different social media platforms now. But have you thought about like? adapting it for live action for like netflix or that like for like a like a nobody has ever brought that up to me before Re really no I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no fans always are are asking hey you're gonna do this but i know better it's i know it's it's a long arduous process to get something like that made and 
you can spend years chasing that dream and and not get a movie made you know and at the same time you're sitting there going well i'm not able to get my book done because i'm chasing this dream i feel like, like would i be would i be super stoked to see a savage dragon movie you know what it, but you know but what I, I mean if it was cool maybe i'd be into it but probably what's what's that show on netflix the academy like of the what's it called umbrella uh, academy Umbrella Academy. Academy. I mean, like, if Umbrella Academy can get like a series, I feel like Savage yeah. Dragon could get a series. You're talking hundreds of issues. We can, we can. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that somebody. What really would have to happen is somebody who wants to do it would have to reach out to me and say, "Look, I want to make this thing. Would you cooperate?" I'll be like, right. <laughs> whatever. But I don't. But to chase that down is like i just don't have the the energy to be mm-hmm. that guy who's right who's going down to hollywood and saying hey check out my cool thing it's like, mm-hmm. eh, I well, comics. Uh, you know eric I'm, I'm a screenwriter in canada so maybe we can make it in canada i'm in toronto <laughs> where savage dragon you know moved to for a little bit yeah <laughs> for a few years we could do just that section of the story. Just there you go. Yeah. That'd be that'd be good. Canada needs a live action superhero. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Actually, sure I, I do want to. I do want to talk about the, the. So, how did the Savage Dragon cartoon series come about, and how involved were you in that? Um, I'm a little, I'm a little unclear how that came about. We we signed up. Uh, some of us, at least with uh caa early on and so uh those guys were actively trying to get stuff done and i know that dragon savage dragon was pitched as a show to cbs or was it nbc one of those cbs i think because it's judy Judy price and uh somebody else there was another production company who's pitching freak force at the same time trying to get <laughs> that made um so you had these two two different things and they were trying to pitch both of them and and uh we brought in mark ebonier to write the pilot on that and uh i believe the network hated it <laughs> oh, like, no. we, don't, we don't like this and oh. and uh and so they ended up passing on it and somehow Mark dropped out of being in it anymore. I don't remember who the hell picked it up and who I know it ended up on the USA network, but it went from, you know, when we initially pitched, it was going to be, uh, uh, Nelvana was going to be the original and then hmm. they didn't end up doing it. Oh. I don't know. It was a lot of the stuff was done up in Canada. I do know that. Yeah, I, I've worked with some people that worked on the show actually from so, Melbourne. Yeah, and so whatever. I I was semi involved with it. I I ended up doing passes on, if not designing characters, then helping to redesign some of the characters. Uh, you know the and initially they would send you scripts you'd go through it and make corrections and stuff like that but eventually what was happening is 
you'd send back the first script with all your corrections and then you'd get the second draft of the first script back and the second script and pretty soon you're just getting like six or eight scripts at once and you're like oh <laughs> crap I've, I've got a life man i can't do this, <laughs> this is too much so uh yeah i kind of dropped out of reading the stuff and eventually i was just kind of just going good job <laughs> that <was good>. <laughs> that's uh, funny so i actually have a question so you know, when a creator has an idea for a story and, and they want to pitch the image to help in the publication of it and, and getting artists on it, how does that all come about? Like, how does, you know, someone who's an aspiring artist or has like a really good story bring that to image and say, hey, let's I'd love to make this. Generally, uh, generally what happens is people pitch books to image mm -hmm. rather than you know we don't assemble creative teams for the most part mm -hmm. occasionally we'll hook people up with colorists or letterers or some of that stuff that they really have no idea where to go and they seem like they're people who we would like to have aboard but most of it is i'm i am a creator i know a little bit about making comics here's my idea and they'll send it in and we'll look at it and go approved. And, and then the, the, it starts from that, but it's generally not an, this other situation, you know? Gotcha. That's cool though. I mean, writers like I got an idea and it's like tough. Go <laughs> <laughs> for your work. What do you got? You got the whole you know, package. You have an artist. Yeah. No, I don't, you know? <laughs> very occasionally there'll be there'll be somebody who you go oh i know who that guy is if you know some hot shot contacted us and said i don't have i don't have a writer to work with but i'm a great artist or if i'm you know occasionally we'll take some people and put them together but it's very rare so would someone come to you with like, I've got three issues written, drawn, ready to rock and roll. Usually wanna... it'd be like, I've got, I, I've got uh summaries of stuff and I've got eight pages just to show you what the hell we're up to. Cool. And we That's just did cool, the coolest part of the story. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a sales pitch is what they're giving us. Right. I want to do this. This shows you that we know what the hell we're doing give us a shot all right hmm. um and a few guys have pitched blind and they have ended up you know we know we don't just poach people from other companies although that does happen <laughs> too. uh but jonathan hickman was he had never published anything before as far as i know and he pitched to us and gave him the green light as did the Luna brothers. They had never done a comic book before. Wow. Oh, so, pretty cool. I'll just mention, we just had Joe Casey on and he was talking to us. He's like, I kind of, he's like, you know, I've got a nice deal with image and I can kind of come in and pitch most things and they'll kind of go for it. Like, so is it generally uh, like if you have an established career, like it's kind of easier if you. It's, it's easier. Sure. Yeah. Cause it's, then it's a known quantity. And he was a guy who, uh, we did uh we did put him together on with somebody on uh godland oh, okay so that was a situation where we had an artist who was 
doing his own thing, but kind of struggling to make his story completely coherent. And then uh, Joe Casey had an idea of something he wanted to do. So I was like, why don't you two work together and see what you can come up with? That was hmm. they did. So that worked. Who was I, one um, of the, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, the, please, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just curious, like, who are some of your favorite, like, collaborators that you've worked with on, on different projects over the, over the years? Um, mostly it's been inkers, like, you know, Terry Austin inking my pencils was a real eye opener. Uh, Klaus Jansen inked me on, uh, couple issues of thor and on some some defenders it's like holy crap i love his <laughs> stuff that's cool uh, uh bruce tim and i worked together a little bit on a, oh oh wow four stuff so that was that was fun and that's pretty uh, cool and he's super super great guy so i've spent <laughs> gone out to dinner with that dude many many times at many conventions so yeah. that's cool so uh, you you've been doing this for over 30 years now i i have yes. my first comic book being published next year uh by hank canales at, at uh, clover press oh nice uh, and so i i'm just wondering do you have any uh recommendations for me or advice for me you know it'll be my first one out the out the door have you are how far along in the process are you uh, five issues complete and with Clover, oh, wow. just ready to hit the shelves at this point. Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you were just starting out and you had no idea what you were doing, then I, I could, it would be different advice than if yeah. you I could have used this uh, two, five issues. Out. <laughs> you know what? Two years ago, I could have used this conversation. I had, I've, I've been in film for so many years and, but my like comic books has always been a true passion of mine. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do it. And I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. Like yeah. you said, like, I, I didn't realize you had to finish a comic to get it like published in a lot of ways. Like there wasn't like, I, I didn't want to get an artist. That's, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the <laughs> sorry. Uh, the problem with that is if you choose uh, a collaborator who's no good, then you're like, hey, I got five issues done. It's like, holy God, <laughs> this is terrible. Like, well, I only, uh, I only had one done when I got the clover, when Hank uh, decided to publish the comic. So then I moved forward at that point. But yeah, I can imagine. That's, that's good. That's good. That worked out. I mean, because yeah. you could get like some terrible guy to letter it or that when you're completely doing it blind and you've never worked on anything before you can run into all kinds of problems but uh it seems like you, you kind of got some of that solved i mean well, for, for people who are just starting out and have never done anything before i would my advice would be don't be don't be too ambitious early on just you know if you've never drawn a page before why don't you start with drawing a page mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you never told a story before why don't you see what you can do in six pages mm -hmm. you can do a six page story with a beginning middle end something that makes sense maybe the maybe the next project after that you might go to trying to do 20 pages but people be like 
I have this great idea and it's the Avengers meets the Justice League and then Alien shows up and they cross over with Star Wars. It's totally awesome. <laughs> I've never done anything before. It's a 20 part story and this is going to be my first gig. Here's my script. And it's like, you are, you have wasted your time. There's hours of your life that you'll never get back. Uh, a 20 part story. Oh my right? goodness. And it's like, no, no, start with something totally small and self-contained and and get it done so you can have that sense of i've completed something look what i've done i've accomplished something when i was if in i had started savage dragon going here's my idea i have this idea and, and it issues you 267 here's what's gonna go on you're like, you're out of your goddamn mind who's, who's planning out 267 issues oh god before you even start it, that would be insane yeah. but you know, if you're just going day by day by day by day over the years, suddenly you're like, oh, look at this. I'm on issue 267. How'd that happen? Cool. Speaking of that, though, when, you know, when the thing that hooked me, like when I was really young, was the mystery of him, his amnesia, right? With the yeah. dragon's amnesia. Did you have an idea of when you wanted to reveal that, or was it always like. I wasn't going to reveal it at all. Oh. That was my thought, was I was just going to. We'll let that remain a mystery and have him it would just be he never figures it out and the 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 answer never comes to anybody um and i knew i had an idea of what it was and i you know i don't you don't set up a mystery without knowing who done it yeah but um yeah i wasn't going to reveal it and then what happened was that we decided hey let's let's get the band back together and do it image comics 10th anniversary special and everybody will come back and work on their original character and i'm like i have never left <laughs> I'm, I'm still doing i'm doing it now what, what what would i what can i possibly do in this book just do the next issue and have it just be like come out that would be that seems like that would be weird to just and also i didn't trust those guys I didn't think that they were going to get it done on time. So if I <laughs> I was thinking if I introduce some significant character in this story that I'm doing for you, and it ends up that this book isn't published for two or three years, then I'm going to be sitting around here waiting to be able to print this, you know, to have those characters integrated into the regular book. So, so even 10 years on, you had a concern. Oh, no, these guys are fuck-ups, man. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen our publications, haven't you? Yeah. You know, so when we, we started this company, we we read million. We, we we know the stories. Yes, right. we know we, them well. Every book is running late for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so funny. Oh, and Todd's gonna draw a story. I'll bet he is. Uh, I oh, do want to man. ask you, Eric, I know you said you don't have like very distinct memories, you know, early days, wizard, any of that. But you ask, like, do they still have a website or are they even still around? Like in your mind, as you look at whatever legacy that they left over 20 years of publishing magazines, like, is there a thought in your mind? Like, this is what wizard was about, in my opinion, and I liked it or I didn't like it. Like, what do you think is the legacy of wizard magazine? I have no idea. I haven't really <laughs> given that much thought. Uh I mean, I thought at the time that it was a good promotional tool for comic books in general. I liked that there was that rah-rah, let's go do something awesome. 
Um, I don't really know why it fell apart. I think it was a mistake for them to go into uh, publishing comic books because that's Black always Bull, a weird, yeah. weird thing. Like, hey, we're going to promote our own comics and tell everybody what collectibles those are going to be and how one. It's like, no, no, don't do that. Um, but I guess Fanographics did the same thing with. They were doing the comics journal and they decided, oh, let's publish our own stuff too. That worked out. But uh, yeah. yeah, Wizard you know, publishing comics didn't work out quite so well. I also think it's, you know, I don't know if they were prepared for the internet when the internet kind of like, yeah. you know, all, all of those, you know, fan websites, stuff like that. And, you know, articles weren't coming out a month later, they were coming out the next day like of, of something happening yeah. and well that it, killed like letters pages in the comics too yeah for, for a lot of it it's like oh i can talk and to this guy now and get my answer now why would i write in a letter so that letter can appear four months from now answering yeah. the question that is burning a hole in my brain today you know like i, I can talk to that guy now but the i mean the good thing about letters pages is they get to be that permanent time capsule that's affixed to that issue forever whereas you know a message on facebook it's gonna rotate out of you and yeah. nobody will ever remember it even existed yeah it's kind of funny though like i'm thinking back to the beginning of our conversation about you talking about like your dad having golden age books and sort of introducing you know you into comics and mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a lot of the case for for most of us is like you know our parent was a comic book reader or somebody introduced us to comics and and it made this sort of residual like this connection yeah you know, all it took is just bumping into something somewhere along you know and it can be the dentist's office where they just have a stack of comics or something to keep kids occupied or a secondhand store or whatever my first comic was in an airport. I was in JFK. We we're going to Florida to visit my grandparents. And my dad bought me a Batman comic off the shelf at like Hudson News. And I still have it to this day because it was like my first real foray into and, comic books. You know, it just it connects with us. And, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, so much of your stuff, your books like Savage Dragon and, and just, you know, everything has connected with so many of us over the years that, you know, we were just thrilled to have you be interested in even talking to us. And we, we thank yeah. you so much for being on this show and letting us kind of nerd out a little bit and, and talk about some fun memories and ideas. So, you know, thank you so much for, again, for just chatting with me at New York comic con and being on the show with us. It's been a true pleasure for us. Sure. Thanks for having me guys. Do you have any questions for us, Eric? <laughs> uh, why are you doing this what, yeah what is this all about where, I don't, now, where I don't. are you guys do you know do you, so you i'm know, in new york you're in adam's new york. adam's in montana and mike's in 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 toronto okay <laughs> and yeah, we, uh, I, we i met them through through instagram i think yeah that's it and they asked me to come on yeah. one day because i have i still have all of my original wizard magazines from my childhood so yeah, and oh. and Adam and I never met in person. We've just what? Still, and I'm blown away by that. It's, <laughs> it's but like we talk every single day. We have such a you know yeah. good friendship and connection with one another, and you know sharing 
just stories and jokes and stuff like that. And um, what's funny about when it he is he finally finds out that you're like five foot three. Yeah. yeah. Like, what yes. the hell? <laughs> I, I live in a basement somewhere and I'm just hidden and like like some sort of like hermit somewhere. But like um, you know, what we found so funny with doing this podcast is the community of people like globally that have connected with us and uh wizard and just talking about comics of the 90s and this era and like image comics and it's it's fascinating to us to feel like people like wow people in the uk and canada were just like i read that book oh i love this guy or you know yeah, yeah. you know it, it's just kind of interesting and I, and I feel like in a lot of ways comics are kind of the same way where it it brings people together in a unique sort of sense that this connection with the storyteller and the storytelling and the art and everything. So, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, simpatico, if you will. It's a unique <laughs> sort of, you know, situation, yeah. you know, again, thank you so much. It's been a true honor and, and, a, and, and a privilege for us. Okay. Bye. Bye guys. And Hey, that was our interview with Eric Larson. Wow, just glad to have him on here to talk to an image founder. I mean, I never thought that day would come. So I, ne I never would have imagined we would have an image founder and you know, someone with such a legacy in comics and you know Marvel and DC and everything else, and just have this. You know, how many people can you say have written two hundred and sixty-seven issues of a character and? it's all him like that's his his brainchild and it's pretty amazing just what he does and and having him be on this show just talking to us is, is sort of like a a surreal experience to me if you ask me and he's super and, casual like that was yeah. so nice yeah. Yeah, he was super chill very very like laid back and just like yeah i don't know sounds great everything's great <laughs> Love it. I, hey, as a Savage Dragon fan, since I was a kid, I was 10, I guess, when I got my first issue. It that yeah, it, it's moments like that that feel very out of body. Like I, I you know, and, yeah. and guys, hey, don't put yourselves down. I always knew you'd be interviewing these people. I, I, I could see <laughs> you know, I was a fan before I joined the podcast. So well, yeah. thanks. Well, we're we're <laughs> glad to have you on board and we're glad, yeah, we could invite you in for this for sure. So too bad we couldn't have got him two years ago to give you some guidance on your comic. <laughs> oh you have no idea the pain I went through to get it took me a year to get a publisher. I didn't know how he could have helped. <laughs> All right, but this is just the first of many interviews to come in 2024. Michael met a bunch of people at New York Comic Con. He is going to be bringing them on board. Plus, we have other people with wings, other connections. We're getting to know so many great people out there, creatives, other wizard staffers that have been, uh, you know, kind of, hey, I'm ready to talk. Okay, we're going to bring you on now. Finally have an opening in the schedule. Uh, but we want you to stay subscribed here to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics on YouTube, but also connect with us on social media. Michael, tell them where to find us. So on Instagram, it's wizards underscore comics. On X, it is wizards comics. On threads, it's at wizards comics. On blue sky, it's wizards comics, blue sky social. Just at wizards comics, you'll find something it. Something like that. You know, on Facebook, it's it's wizards the podcast guide to comics. And on our website, wizardscomics.com, you can check out all of our back episodes. And we have our T Public store. You can get some merch. Uh, 
I saw you had a hoodie. Did you have a hoodie? Like I had a hoodie on during the interview. I got too hot. I was so I, excited. I, I, I had to take it off. I a hoodie now. I gotta. I, I gotta have a hoodie too. Like come on. <laughs> so you know, it, it's getting cold out there, folks, especially in Montana, New York, and Toronto. So yeah. now, you know, if you want the uncut version of this interview we'll just tell you we do have a patreon patreon.com forward slash wizards comics where you can get this full you know different questions maybe you know we had to dance around to be like where, where, do we, where does this one fit just a little before and after conversation so it's all there you can enjoy it uh five bucks a month plus you get scans of each issue you get uncut versions of every episode that we're releasing talking about wizard magazine you get to go through it with us there's private chats there's so many great things there's bonus podcasts, 90s Super Cinema, where we talk about comic book movies once a month. And so you actually get to vote on it if you're a patron and decide what you want us to talk about. So much excitement, so many ways to expand your Wizards the Podcast Guide to Comics Experience. But we want to thank you so much for joining us and checking out this interview. And until next time, we're closing the files. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.